have your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Paul has put God's selection and the distinctiveness of the Jewish people in a new light. Apart from the Holy Spirit, neither possessing the written Torah of God, His instruction, nor circumcision or even bearing the name Jew gives the Jewish person any actual advantage before God in justification. The significance of their distinction, we learned in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, is that they were the ones entrusted with the oracles of God. Yet Israel's unfaithfulness to that advantage doesn't negate God's faithfulness to His Word revealed in those oracles as God justly judges and Saves. What becomes obvious in the rampant wickedness of all humanity is that God is righteous for judging us when he judges us, which silences Paul's opponents who use Paul's words to question whether or not God is righteous. All people are under Lord's sin. No one on earth is righteous, not one. This means that the law of God written down in the Torah for Israel, but then written on the conscience for the rest of us, indicts everyone, every human being as a lawbreaker, deserving of God's judgment, showing us that we're sinners. Therefore, in 320, by trying to obey the law or be a good person, no one is going to be justified in God's sight. Not only can't it happen, it won't happen. What God's law did was reveal mankind's problem. It did not provide the solution. That was never the point of the law. The point since 118 in Romans has been to prove 320. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The law reveals that we cannot obey God as we ought to. And that was its ultimate point. Paul says later in chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, that the law was actually given to increase our trespasses. Now, is that because God wants us to sin and wants us to be evil? Absolutely not. Beloved, God wanted to show us the predicament we're actually in as descendants of Adam. And to do this, God kills us spiritually with the law. And even for Christians this morning, this is to whom Paul is writing, we need to understand how the way God works to show us our need for salvation is also meant to keep us from having any unrealistic expectations or evaluations of ourselves that would dampen or threaten our ability to see our ongoing need for Him to be our Savior. God has worked this way to show us His righteousness, to show us who He is. Not just to show us who we are, but who our Savior is. God sent Jesus to be our Savior, not only to display His own righteousness, but to fully and finally justify sinners like us. Put us, rebels, into a right relationship with God. Let me pray and we'll begin. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom all these things are sure and certain according to Your will. And God, I ask You this morning that in this place, in this hour, You would reveal the truth to us 
from this chapter in Romans. May we all see our need of it. May we all take heart that it's for us, both the preacher and those who hear. Father, guide our thoughts. I ask and pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 21, chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. That means wrath-absorbing sacrifice by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. But now. But now. In other words, Paul is talking about where we are now in history. And that now is also our now. In light of the fact that God's righteousness has been revealed apart from the law. In verse 21, that tells us at least two things, right? There has been a momentous turn in history. From God revealing how righteous He is in wrath and judging people according to the law to God revealing His righteousness in grace apart from the law. The righteousness of God that has been made known in Jesus is the turning of the ages of humanity. Jesus has brought the new creation. The old is passing away. Secondly, who God is, the righteous and holy one, was not perfectly revealed by the law, but is perfectly revealed in Jesus Christ, who has brought grace and forgiveness of sins to humanity. Notice that the perfect righteousness of God wasn't known before as it has been made known now in grace apart from the law. Who God is, the righteous and holy one, is not revealed by law. So if we really want to know how righteous and holy God is, we don't look at the law, we look to Christ. We look to Jesus. God is not then rules and regulations. That was to say something else about Him. That's not the end of who He is. He is grace and He is glory. What's also important to note here in verse 21 is that while the righteousness of God has been manifested in Christ through the gospel apart from the law, it's not as though this had never been talked about or foreseen until now. The law and the prophets bear witness to this revealed righteousness of God. They testify to it. The gospel reveals it. The gospel actually shows us what the law and the prophets had actually been trying to say and were testifying to in verse 22. The righteousness that God requires can only be granted to us as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The purpose of the law, again, was not to run our lives or make us righteous. It was to drive us to our need for a righteousness outside of us given to us as a gift because we don't possess the ability or the desire to follow God's law in the way that He Demands The law and the prophets revealed this righteousness by making known our indiscriminate 
rampant disobedience and sinfulness that we would never be able to make ourselves righteous, not by our best efforts, not by our hardest work or sincerest hearts, because we are at our core, as Romans has revealed, actually idolaters. Every person on the earth is an idol worshiper. It was easy to tell them apart when you had statues that people bowed down to. Now the statues go by different names and exist in different places. We are not inherently good people. We are inherently wicked people. And that's what the law was meant to reveal so that God could reveal His righteousness, how righteous and just and holy He is through His Son, Jesus Christ, in forgiveness, in a gift. This passage corroborates Paul's earlier thesis statement of Romans in 1.16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written. And that's, he's citing one of the prophets, Habakkuk. From faith, or the righteousness, the righteous shall live by faith. Near the end of the Old Testament era of the law covenant, the sin of not just the world, but Israel itself is on full display. It's becoming so great that God's own prophets were questioning His righteousness. So God sent a word to His prophets to tell them that the light would dawn, that He was going to address this problem. And the gospel is God's planned, designed response at the time He chose to reveal it. The law and the prophets bear witness to being put in a right relationship with God by grace through faith by showing how impossible it is for us to be put into a right relationship with God by our works. The law serves the purpose of the gospel. The gospel does not exist to take us backwards to the law, but into its fulfillment by the power of the Holy Spirit, which Paul is revealing has always been God's design and God's will to bring about. It's not a change. It's not a late addition. This has been the design since before the creation of the world. The righteousness of God is a gift from Him by Jesus for all who believe. And all means all in verses 23 and 24. 323 is the summary verse for this whole first section. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is God's pronouncement about us. It doesn't matter what other people say or try to justify or describe humanity. God says all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, and therefore all are in need of the exact same gift from God in order to be made right with Him. Jew or Gentile makes no difference. This is God's judgment on the whole world. Because our sinfulness leads to such unending unrighteousness, we constantly are falling short of the glory God intended for us. But in the same way that all have sinned, all are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's elsewhere. We have to have it given to us. We can't go get it. The righteousness God requires of us is His gift to us in Jesus. This is what it means to be redeemed to be born again, to be forgiven. This is why we not only need Jesus' blood to forgive us, but His obedience to become ours, literally, so that our lack of righteousness, the righteousness God 
requires is filled up by His. Only in Jesus is the obedience that God accepts. Only in Him. I have to have that credited to me as my own or I am not righteous. It doesn't matter how much good I do or bad I shun. If His obedience, that's what God wants. That's what it looks like. If that isn't given to me, I am not saved. I am not justified. I am not in a right relationship with God. That never stops being the case. Jesus doesn't give me His righteousness for the first 10 years of being born again, and then it's on me. I need every ounce of His righteousness 24-7 until the day I die. Or I am not justified and won't be justified. This is why Christians need clarity on the gospel so badly. The lives we live are not lives that are trying to prove ourselves or prove that we belong. We don't. That's what the law shows. What the gospel shows is that God puts us in a right relationship with him, gives us his spirit. Now we obey him because of what he's done. But we are still sinners. So we're still like what he's describing here. Paul is trying to give us perspective. God has never changed, ever. His standard is absolute, uninterrupted, untainted perfection. That's what God demands. The law reveals not only that we can't be perfect, we can't even be good. Not one of us. Not as God defines it. Jesus has been sent by the God who is this standard so that we might finally meet it and be reconciled to Him once and for all. And Jesus, God, has given what He requires. Which means He does not hold salvation behind His back for only the good girls and boys to get. All, regardless of how sinful, are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Into our sinfulness and idolatry, God sends a Savior that does what we could never do because that's how we are. God isn't gracious because we sin. God has, our sin has revealed that in fact this God is gracious. Now, how does God accomplish such a thing, however, and remain just? This is what's at issue in justification by grace through faith apart from works. And we seldom think about this. It, this means the worst sinner you can imagine. Hopefully that's you. But the worst sinner you can imagine, just for the sake of argument for a minute, just think of the most vile human being you can possibly fathom, okay, that has done horrific things, real, legitimate, horrific sins. This means justification by grace through faith apart from works means that even if you've done those horrific things, to believe in Jesus for this is to be made a bona fide children of, child of God, no strings attached, forgiven, washed clean by sheer pronouncement of God, and all the benefits being a child of God brings with it belong to you. Paul is addressing what looks like a massive problem for God. Can you imagine an earthly judge who did such a thing? We were talking about this before. For God to be just, if He is a just God, and then He just declares guilty people innocent, is a huge miscarriage of justice. 
at street level, right? Again, imagine an earthly judge who does this sort of thing. All the evidence, it's obvious, you have admitted to doing it, and the judge says, um, it's okay, you're going to go free. You're innocent. I know that you're guilty, but I'm saying that you're innocent. I mean, he'd be off the bench in a minute. That would be a horrible judge. And God does this every day all around the world. How is he a just and righteous God? This is one of the things the world really hates about the gospel. Those whom God has not opened their eyes. It seems like it's just like like it didn't. What if they hurt me? What if their sin hurt me. And in verses 25 to 26, it's answered. Jesus was put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And just real quickly, notice the, res- the repetition of these demonstration words. The righteousness of God has been manifested in verse 1, borne witness to in verse 1. Put forward in verse 25 to show it in verse 25, to show it again in verse 26. Jesus was sent to display something about God that was hidden before he came that looked, by Paul's admission, very bad on God's part if God claims to be just. And it's this, the just and righteous God who demands perfection is a gracious and loving God who gives what he requires since he knows our sinfulness is too great to save ourselves. God is not unjust by justifying unrighteous people with a gift that makes them righteous. How so? Well, the biblical answer is because God put Jesus forward to bear all the wrath of all the sins of everyone. Those sins have been punished. They didn't get washed away, meaning that they, you know, they like they never happened, they happened, and they deserve wrath. Well, that wrath has been poured out on Jesus. That sin has been punished. The only difference is not by the one that did it, but by the innocent Lord Jesus Christ. God put Jesus forward to bear all the wrath of all the sins that everyone deserved. At the cross, the justice and righteousness and wrath and love of God meet. They collide. And in this cataclysmic explosion of the life of Jesus at the center of all human history, justification for the ungodly is the result. And God remains just by doing so. Why is God not unjust to look over sins and declare guilty people righteous? Because the perfect lamb, Jesus, got what we all deserved. God's justice has been satisfied for all who by grace through faith believe in. Take advantage, if you will, of Jesus. He got what we all deserved. God didn't set aside His justice and wrath. He poured it out at a specified time in history on His Son for us. God acknowledges in verse 25 that He had just passed over former sins. God knows what that looks like. He's addressing it here. All through history since creation on into Israel in the Old Covenant, God has certainly judged some sins and some peoples, some very harshly. But He's also let a lot of guilty people go. Let's just take one example from the Bible. 
Right? The prophet Nathan comes to David. You are the man. David has taken advantage of his position as king to sleep with another man's wife, Bathsheba. When she became pregnant, David sought to cover it up and couldn't because of how honorable her husband Uriah was. So David gave instructions to let him be killed in battle. But the thing David had done, the scripture says, displeased the Lord. So God sent Nathan the prophet to tell David, I know that you sinned against the Lord. David acknowledges it and gets to keep right on being the king who's in covenant with and has been blessed by God. Now imagine for a moment, just imagine that you're Uriah's dad and David is still the king. And you know that's what happened. Imagine you're Bathsheba's dad and you know that's what happened. Talk about unjust. Like God is, God is telling you, no, I, I know that I've done that. I know that I've passed over former sins. I know it looks like I'm unjust. How am I not? The Lord has covered your guilt. That really? It could very easily appear that because God passes over some sins, He's unjust. And yet, from before creation... God had already made provision to cover sins so that He could pass over them and remain just. That provision was His own Son, Jesus Christ, who bore the sins of many. The Bible makes very clear. Very clear. God did it this way so that when He showed His great righteousness in Christ, it would become evident that he has never been unjust. He's always judged sin and wrath and would never change. God wanted to show that he was, in fact, just and is also the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is what is displayed in the person and in the work of Jesus. He's not just setting an example. He's coming because God is going to pass over sin and has been passing over it. Adam and Eve should have died the minute they sinned. They didn't. God covered them with animal sacrifices. What is going on? Since the dawn of time, it's been in question. Are you just? How does this work? You said they were going to die. They're not dead. Adultery is sin. Murder is sin. It's in the law and the king is doing it. And and you're, you're, you're going to stay in a covenant with him? How are you just if you're like this? It's not fair. It's not right. No, we're going to take care of it. As soon as it's clear to everyone how unrighteous they are. God says nothing is unaccounted for. All has been punished. All has been accounted for by my own Son. So when God justifies and washes away sin as though the punishment was carried out in full on someone else and justice has been met, it's because it has been. It has been. The justifier is just to justify in and because of Jesus Christ. No one can say to God, you're unjust. That isn't fair because that isn't true. Jesus shows the righteousness of God, not just in revealing how the righteousness God requires might be obtained, but also that God is righteous to forgive sin and justify 
apart from obeying the law. You're justifying people who didn't put anything in to earn your gift. You and I don't have to earn salvation or merit it because Jesus Christ did and does. That's what the gospel says. And to be a believer is to believe what seems like is impossible. That's what it is to be a Christian. I believe that Jesus did this and that it is sufficient because God says He accepts it. That's why my sins are forgiven. That's why I'm called righteous. That's our message, beloved, to this world that is, that is bent on being its own salvation. Bent on finding its own righteousness by which they might declare themselves good and righteous. This is God's message to this. If there's a standard God set up, it needs to be met. Or God is a joke by His own definition. And it has been met. That's what Jesus Christ is. Faith is the gift of God. By which He creates a desire in us to repent of our sins. And believe in Jesus Christ. And in this, God not only forgives us, but gives the gift of His Son's perfect righteousness to us. Fully addresses everything wrong with us. Our sin and our lack of righteousness. And we need Jesus to do both perfectly. Or there is no justification. We can take credit for nothing in our salvation but the sin that made His death necessary. That's it. That's my part. How do I have faith? You receive Jesus Christ. You believe these words are true and that only through Him can you be saved and justified. God chose to show at the time of Jesus, the now that we live in, in verse 21, that this righteousness God requires of us, it comes as a gift. Only when forgiveness had been paid for could righteousness be given. And this is Christ for us. Verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? Do my works? No, no. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or... Is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Any ability we would have to boast or to brag or have confidence in ourselves that we can earn justification or perform in a way worthy of it, is excluded by the law of faith. Paul writes that one of the reasons God did salvation this way is so that no one could boast in Ephesians 2. That's the point of it being free. You can't brag about getting a gift. You can't take credit for it as though you bought it for yourself. It's a gift. It is excluded by the law of faith. So faith in some way is its own law in that sense. Its own standard from God. And what the law of faith says is that all the credit for salvation belongs exclusively to Jesus Christ. Remember Paul is writing into a specific time and place and people here. Paul's Jewish Christian opponents needed to know you have no grounds for boasting. 
not first of all because of your ethnicity, but also you have no grounds for your obedience to boast. That's not how the demand of the law is met, by obedience, by my part. So what could I brag about or be self-righteous about as a Christian? How could I look down my nose at somebody that isn't like me, that doesn't believe, that doesn't at least desire to do God's will? What, where would I get the justification for boasting when justification is God's work and not mine? So for the Jewish Christians in Rome, their ethnicity was not an advantage and their obedience had been ridiculously imperfect and made them even more ripe for judgment than the Gentiles because they had a written standard where the Gentiles just had something on their conscience that told them the difference between right and wrong. Who could boast in this? There are no puffed up chests in the family of God because everybody's clinging to Jesus. It's hard to look tough when you're a beggar, when you have nothing, when even if your muscles were big, they'd accomplish nothing for you. Even if you had a desire to be a good person, it would mean nothing to God whose standard is way above the simple performance of good versus bad. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is about this gift, this alien righteousness from outside of us that God just credits to our account because what Jesus did is so sufficient. Who's boasting in this? A law of works wouldn't exclude boasting. It would promote it. It would encourage it and feed it. I'm keeping the rules. You're not. I'm in. You're out. You're not doing good enough, etc., etc. But the law of faith is all centered on its object, Jesus. He kept the rules. He obeyed. He does the Father's will for our sakes. He's in. And if He is, because I'm in Him by faith, then I am also by virtue of being attached to Him. You know, when a, a good running back scores a, you know, a big long touchdown and after the game he credits his offensive line which is great to do, it's very honorable to do he wouldn't have gotten through if it wasn't for them but he still ran, he still got through, he still made his cuts, he still stayed in bounds and all that And so it's, it's a nice gesture right? and I'm not trying to disrespect that but it's, it's also you're, you're deflecting praise that could come to you, right? I mean that's fair, I credit my lineman and myself we worked together and we did it that's not salvation. The church is not us standing in front of the world going, listen, I really credit God for how good I am. Right? That that's, the fair, that that's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I thank you, God, that I'm not like him. Right? He's not justified. That's Jesus' words there. Did Paul and Jesus preach a different gospel? No, 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 no. Right? But Jesus says that. That guy that talks like that credits God for his righteousness. I thank you, God, that I'm not like him. He's not justified. Right? Who's justified? Have mercy on me, a sinner. Just that's, that's the one that's justified. That's justification. That's what Christians look like. Beating their, have mercy on me, a sinner. You say, what is this, like, um, masochistic, self-deprecating? Is that what it means to be a Christian? No. To be a Christian is to embrace the reality of who I am in light of who Jesus is for me. I'm not the sum total of the horrible choices I make. 
I'm not the result of all that I've done. I am justified and redeemed and righteous in Christ because God says so. And that's it. So there's nothing to boast about. The lack of our boasting is crucial to our witness. Crucial to it. This can't be overstated. We think that we, the, the testimony we give to the world is, I'm like this. I used to be like that, but I'm like this. And if you are like me, you can become like this. No, that, that's dishonest. That's dishonest. It's boasting. Christians ought to be the most humble, kind, gentle, patient, forgiving people on the planet. Right? This is not an echo chamber where I just come in here and preach about all the sins that are bad and we all say amen and go home very comforted that we don't sin like that. Right? That's why it's so easy to tee off on homosexuals. Of course it's a sin. The Bible says it's a sin. And God will judge it where there's unrepentance. But it's easy to tee off on it because most of us don't struggle with it. Because we put sins in these classes. And look, King David, Samuel, Noah, Abraham, they're all sinners. Read Abraham's story. The Bible is rated R. Read some of these things that... God's children have done. There's, there's no boasting here. There's, talking about ourselves is not the point of the church and the gospel. That's not the point. You don't attract people to Christianity by saying, I'm a Christian. I don't do that thing. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not about you and me. The story is not about you and me. The biggest reason for ongoing carnality and self-centeredness and selfishness in the body of Christ, which is increasingly rampant without any repentance or any concern, well, I'm going to talk how I want, think how I want, do what I want, push for what I want, no repentance, not even asking if we're sinning or serving the self or serving our own interests and putting ourselves above others. We're not talking about sin like that, Tony. Get up and tell me how bad it is to be gay. It is. On the list of abominations that the Lord hates, in Proverbs, however, one who sows discord among brethren is on there. We don't talk about that as an abomination. Or pride. We don't talk about pride as an abomination because everybody's prideful. Everybody's prideful. So we'll... we'll we're not, we want to talk about good works. We're talking about not being that. We're not talking about not gossiping. See, when we can't boast, it's awfully hard to judge self-righteously at the same time. God has designed this so that it all shapes who we are as people. Again, the, the biggest reason for ongoing carnality and self-centeredness and selfishness in the body of Christ is that people still think they have something to boast about. That's why Paul is arguing against it so often in the New Testament as he is here. Because one is justified in verse 28, put into a right relationship with God by faith, apart from the works of the law. No one is good enough to be put back into a right relationship with God by good behavior, even if it's obedience to the law. I love it when, when the, 
the, the one, the rich young ruler, I believe, comes to Jesus in, in maybe in Mark and um, says, the, you know, Jesus, what is the law as you read it? And he says, I've done all this. And Jesus says, uh, you know, that's that's Jesus doesn't correct him. Jesus doesn't say, no, there's no way that you've kept all of it. He doesn't do that. He says, that's great. One thing you still lack. Right. How can you still lack if you've done everything right? Because God is after way more than that. And the law should have made that clear. Was designed to make it clear, but they missed it as we would have missed it. As we still do, beloved. We know what God says. Most of the time we don't care. Right? Don't, would people get mad at me for preaching grace too much? It's, it's like, do, do you sin? Like, you, you know, well, it's, it's, if you sin, uh, Presumptuously, that's rude. what other way is there to sin? Oh, I, I didn't know I was going to murder that guy. I didn't know I was going to spit vile venom out of my mouth about somebody else. I didn't know I was just going to be a self-righteous, pretentious jerk. I'm sorry, I didn't see that coming. My sins aren't presumptuous. They're all presumptuous. They're all presumptuous. That's what makes it sin. Paul takes verses 29 and 30 to say that this applies to every human on the planet, Jew or not. Because this God is the God of all, not just of the Jews. So if he says there's a standard, it's the standard for everybody. The Jews were meant to be a light to make all this known. They failed. That's part of the plan, as you and I would have failed. So God says, all right, I'll do it myself, which was always the plan. Since God justifies by faith and not by works, by Jesus and not by self, by grace and not by merit, anyone can be saved. Whether they had the advantage the Jews did in receiving the written code or not, anybody can be saved. God's means of justification gets at the core problem of the human heart. Since all human hearts, regardless of ethnicity or advantage, are sinful to the core, since we're all idolaters and God is one, this one God makes all people right with Him in the exact same one way. So Paul is saying to those speaking against Him in Rome that God is not forsaking His Old Testament promises with this gospel of God's grace for us in Christ. He's keeping them. He's keeping them. That's his main point later in chapter 4. The means by which God would make a righteous people for Himself it's been provided as promised. The just shall live by faith. And you can't boast about faith. So those are the marks. The just shall live by faith. What does faith show? That there's no boasting here. We live by a method that excludes boasting. And puts all the focus on the giver of the gift, not the receivers of it. God has provided the Savior who kept the law for us. And all the blessings for having kept that covenant go to Him. They go to Jesus. All the righteous demand of the law has been fulfilled in and by Jesus Christ. Therefore, the righteousness God requires has been accomplished so that all people everywhere might be fully justified by faith in the one who has met God's demands for us. So verse 31, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? Does God completely undo everything He said in the Old Testament? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. The gospel is the fulfillment of the law of the Old Testament in and through Jesus Christ. The law has not been watered down. 
That's not what Jesus means. The requirement for perfect obedience has not been relaxed. The purpose of the law to reveal and increase sin, which is why it was given, that's been realized. It condemned all of us. So Jesus came to fulfill it perfectly by his obedience for us because God still demands it. And that obedience is reckoned to the believer by grace through faith in him. God has met his own righteous demand for us in Christ. His law has been upheld. His will has been done. And now he's done all the work. Let those who have no money come. Let those who are thirsty come. Let those struggling with sin fear not. Perfect forgiveness has risen from the grave. And righteousness is ours for the receiving. In his apology to the Augsburg Confession, Philip Melanchthon said that all the commandments of God are kept when what is not kept is forgiven. The perfect and meritorious keeping of the law has been done by Christ. His perfect blood washes away our sin, washes it away, and His perfect righteousness takes the place of it before God. This is the righteousness God accepts, the only righteousness He accepts that comes through faith in His Son. Apply that to me. That's righteousness. I believe what you say about Jesus. God calls that righteousness. Everything else is details. When He forgives us and we receive Him, that perfect keeping of God's standard is met. So God has not moved outside the demand of the law. He's met the demand in Jesus. When the Gospel is shown to fulfill the law in Jesus, which is what's happening here, Paul is revealing that the Old Testament at its core is not actually a demand for the works of the law to be performed. It's a promise that the demand of the law will only be met by the gift of faith in Christ who is the only one who's obeyed it for us. With every command, every command we read in the Scripture, the first thing it does is accuse us because we haven't done it. So when we read a command, the first thing we need to realize is that a work of the Spirit has to take place or I am only condemned. And breaking one commandment is breaking all of them. So nobody's off the hook. The Old Testament's own testimony to the fact that Salvation is by grace through faith, and the promise is what Paul is going to speak about in the next chapter. Beloved, God sent Jesus to be our Savior. Not only to display His own righteousness, but to make us righteous through faith in His perfect Son. Beloved, all boasting is excluded in this place. All of it. How, how, how can we look down on the world or look down on one another? Nothing is more out of place in the church than self-righteousness, than boasting. Nothing. Nothing makes us look more unchristian than being self-righteous and haughty in this. I, I, I do it all the time. I do it all the time. I'll look at things that people do and think, I would never do that. 
Yeah, because I, I don't want to get caught. That, that's not righteous. That's, that's like self-protection. Self-preservation. And we don't think, we don't realize when we're acting self-righteously, right? Because if there's something good to see, it's very hard to believe that, that, we, that anything's wrong with us. So we look at the very things God says exclude boasting as a means for boasting. As a means for feeling pretty certain about myself. Beloved, we need to feel certain about Jesus and His Word and His promise. That we need to hang our hat on that and nothing else. Nothing else. It's self-righteousness to not believe that we act self-righteously. We've all been guilty of this. And the Bible says that fundamental to our identity as the church is the lack of boasting. The lack of this arrogant attitude that we're somehow better than others. Beloved, that's plagiarism. That's taking credit for something someone else did as though we did it. That's what self-righteousness is. I've not worked myself into a state of righteousness. All the righteousness I need was given to me 2,000 years ago when Jesus offered it up for me. And only by grace through His work in me, working faith in me, have I appropriated it to myself. And it is the same for everybody in here this morning. There's not a person in here that walked in unjustified that needs to leave unjustified. Not one. Come to Christ. Repent of your sin. It's been paid for. God is honored when you need a lot of His Son's blood. So no matter how wicked you are, come. No matter how much you struggle with self-righteousness, come. Repent of your sins. God knows them all anyway. And nobody here, if we're doing this, should act surprised if you decide to come. You don't have to come to be saved. You don't have to walk an aisle. But you must receive the Word of Christ. You must repent of your sins and believe on Him to be saved. God has not designed a plan that would make the recipients of grace look like the big deal. Our testimony is not about us and what we become. Our testimony is that the God who is our justifier is just. Not only will He judge sin once and for all, He will also justify anyone who comes to Him believing that Jesus' blood and righteousness are for their salvation. Anyone. God doesn't need us to make Him look good by our behavior. Jesus took care of that for Him. So, God calls us to proclaim that in Jesus is the forgiveness of sins and the gift of righteousness. That the just and holy God we all fear deep down inside and are trying to suppress the knowledge of is a justifier of sinners. Because Jesus Christ is awesome. Have you received Him? 